0: Good morning. have the day-to-day life of work and challenges and spiritual warfare and then you walk into the presence of God like that and you just have all of the sudden the confidence to laugh in the face of the enemy and say where were you where were you Because his presence carries all the power and all of the authority. And so I just want to remind you that the vision of Mercy Culture Church is taking people from corporate encounters like this this morning to daily personal encounters with God so that you're not holding your breath Monday through Saturday. Okay, it's beautiful to run into the house of the Lord, but not because we're empty because his presence is with us daily. That was the point of the cross so that that veil was torn, right? So that we have access to him, to his voice, to his presence, to his healing, to his gifts, every single day amen Amen. if you're here for the first time welcome or if you've just started coming in the last few weeks it's wild at mercy culture waco amen? amen man i'm telling you when you are jumping when you are kneeling when you are crying out you are not just receiving freedom for yourself but i believe and i heard this morning the seeds of revival being planted in the ground of waco Waco needs revival. Waco needs your worship, your prayers, your tears. See, I just heard and came up in my spirit is the Pharisees thought that they owned Waco. But there is a new day and a new hour that is here, Mercy Culture Waco, and I believe that there is a sound that is coming culture Waco is so great but because of the honor of his presence that the Lord knows that he has freedom in this house and through his people that he is going to release revival and a great reform like I believe Waco has never seen before That's what you're a part of when you're kneeling and we are giving Holy Spirit extra room to go into worship and not ending right on the dot. We're saying, no, Lord, you own this room. You own this church. This is your house. We are your people. And you get to fully have us in this place, amen? Amen. And so if it was your first time this morning, like Lurlin said, welcome to Mercy Culture Waco. It's wild. Uh, We wanna encourage you that if you're feeling like wow, this is home, this is what I wanna be a part of. I remember when I got radically saved, I was a drug addict, alcoholic, and I walked into a revival type service, and I was like, this is like a party in church, this is awesome. Only been to churches that I slept on my mom's shoulder that she had to go like this to me, but the first time I walked into and I felt God and he became real to me. He wasn't a historical figure that I heard about, I felt him. And so, if you want to call Mercy Culture Waco home, we encourage you um, to do to go through what we call MC Connect, and it's not just membership, but it's discipleship. And the beautiful thing is, is you get to go through this process of learning how mercy culture was birthed, what God said and why he said plan a church in Fort Worth, plant a church in Waco and beyond. You get to understand the values and the culture of what God gave, uh, which we believe is heaven's culture. We're bringing heaven, heaven's culture to Waco, amen? And so through that process you get to go through an assessment, test is a scary word, so we try not to use that word, but it's a really awesome process where you get to see about how you best connect with God. And this will transform your life. I spent years as a minister comparing myself to my husband thinking I was a worse Christian because I couldn't lay in front of my fireplace at 5 a.m. and hear from God. I was sleeping. I was not hearing from God. And so this, just a few years ago, uh, when I took this assessment, it transformed my life. One of my top three ways that I connect with God is through movement. I'm a little ADD, and so I like to, so when I'm moving, the rest of my body is going so that my mind, heart, and spirit can hear from the Lord. And so I knew in writing this message how I best connected with God, how I needed to hear from him was to get to a trail, begin to run, and I would hear. I have mercy culture worship playing, and all of a sudden I'm running, and boom, Rhema just starts falling and speaking into my spirit. And so this is why you need to know how you best connect with God so that you can immediately just come into that place, into his presence here for your marriage, your family, your business. Amen? Amen. Uh, You can text the word connect to the number that's on the screen and start that process. All right, I wanna announce to you guys, you guys, a lot of you may not know about this, but the Justice Reform, which is a organization that I oversee, the vision is answering the cry for justice by bringing reformation from city to city. The Lord gave me real fast a vision over 15 years ago of putting on these races in cities across America and that all of the funds would go towards what we call the Justice Residences, which is a long-term restoration home for survivors out of human trafficking. uh, we have already broke ground uh, we are finalizing the plans actually this next week yeah. engineering is going into place super super exciting and so this October 29th is our second annual justice run in Fort Worth Texas come on yeah. People from all over the country flew in last year. We had thousands of people that ran, that came to the festival. Axel puts on a music festival. I mean, it is an amazing day for family. Uh, we also, it's a 5K, 10K, half marathon, a marathon. So a lot of families that just wanna walk in it to be a part of it because it's an amazing cause uh, will walk in the 5K or the 10K. Or there's also online, there's different running plans that you can start training for now. If you wanna give uh, the half marathon or a marathon, on a try, all right? Okay, so mark your calendars for October 29th. You can um, actually today. Do, do you have it up on the? Okay, perfect. You can text the word "run" to 59090, and that's going to give you a few different ways that you can be a part. Either register, like I just talked to you about about the run, sponsor. So if you're a business and you want to sponsor, which we absolutely love, we just started opening it up to the public and basically your business is all over the shirts, everywhere on everything, we way prefer for kingdom businesses to be plastered all over at this this event. So if you have a kingdom business, you wanna be a part, there's about 10 different ways that you can sponsor. And then the third way is this, is to serve. We need as many people as possible that's serving at this event. All right, real quick, um, before I get into the message, uh, Pastor Les and his family said goodbye to a very, very special man this week, Papa, which is Les's grandpa, right? Not great-grandpa, your children's great-grandpa. And um, if you have the picture, <laughs> sweet Papa. And uh, I had the honor of getting to know this amazing man of God for the last 15-plus years. <sighs> And I can tell you, there was two things that Papa was always talking about. He was either talking about the Lord or he was talking about his family. Those are the two things that Landon and I always heard him talking about. Those are the two most important things to him. And I remember this one special moment. There were so many special moments because he would invite us out to the property and take the kids on, on hay rides and, hey, you guys want to drive the tractor? We're like, Papa, are you sure? You know, yeah, get all the kids up there. The kids are like, yeah, but anything for a family to be surrounded by his family. But I remember this one time we were sitting on the back patio by the pool and the cousins and aunts and uncles and hundreds of kids that felt like were swimming in the pool. And he just grabbed our legs. He patted our legs and he said, you see this? He said, we built this pool. We, we, um, so it was, they, they have a beautiful little house, but if you look in the backyard, it's like this giant pool and back patio. And you could just feel his heart when you he looked at it. He said, this was to always bring my family back. This was for my family. And here he was surrounded by everybody, but he invested into what was most important to him. And that was to be surrounded by his family. And this last week when he went to be, go home with Jesus, I believe the Lord honored him because he put what was most important first. And this week he was surrounded by his family. Would you just stand to your feet, the Cody family? Papa was surrounded by his entire family in the hospital, worshiping the Lord as they said goodbye to him as they said, see you later to him. And so if you would just stretch your hands, I just felt like we were supposed to pray. And I, I was praying over granny as I walked in and I was trying to pray a different word, Cody family. I was trying to say a different word. And it was, I was praying for restoration of the Cody family. But up out of my spirit came the word recompense. And I felt this leap in my spirit. And I felt so strongly the Lord say, No, I'm not just bringing restoration to this family, I am bringing recompense or payback to this family and i believe that the lord is honoring papa's legacy the legacy of family to not just restore but to pay back everything that the enemy thought that he was going to steal or what he thought was going to make messy the lord says no i make the crooked way straight so father i bless the Cody family today and I declare what the enemy thought he was gonna make a mess in fact the Lord just said of generations of what he thought he was going to bring demonic strongholds to last I saw the Lord breaking down and breaking off demonic strongholds that would be forever severed Every demonic stronghold by the authority of the Most High God, I declare, by the blood of Jesus is broken right now in the name of Jesus. I declare over the grandchildren and great-grandchildren that they will not walk in what the grandparents and great-grandparents had to walk and endure. And, Granny, the Lord is giving you authority to lead your family in this next season. I felt the Lord say, no, tell her. It doesn't matter that she is a woman. I am giving her authority to lead her family into unity, restoration, and recompense. So, Father, I declare victory over the Cody family in the name of Jesus, and you shall expand kingdom territory in the name of Jesus of Jesus and although Nikki and Les carry great legacy I heard the Lord say that he's not finished with the entire Cody family he's not finished with any of you he's not finished as the Lord for I feel a jealousy a burning jealousy to show off to your enemies of what God is going to do it's part of the recompense Be a great show-off that comes out of your family. So, Lord, I declare humility, humility that will sustain the recompense and the show-off that comes out of the Cody family. So, today, we honor Papa, and we say thank you for the legacy that he left of godliness and of family. Father, I declare that when you honored him surrounded by his family as he transitioned from one home to the next, that I declare on this earth, you would continue to honor that legacy by restoring and bringing recompense to the Cody family in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Can you just give it up for your pastors? Pastor Les and Pastor Nikki, we love you so much. Love you. All right. For the notes this morning, you can text the word notes to 59090. I'm not going to tell you the title to the sermon yet, but we're going to open with Acts 4, verse 23 through 31. It's titled this, The Believers Pray for Boldness. They're praying right now. It says in verse 27, they continue their prayer for truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you that you are in this room, that we are your people, that this is your house. So we give you full right, full dominion to speak, Lord, because your servants are listening. Would you correct in us wrong thoughts, ideas, and beliefs? Would you reform us to receive truth, to receive the call of God for this hour, O God? Lord, we say, have your way. Come on, can you just tell him, have your way? Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. And just declare, speak, Lord. Come on, declare, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Thank you, Lord, that you are in this place. So, Father, I declare that I'm a vessel of your presence and of your glory. Let your words pour through me, Jesus, not my own words, not by my power, but, Lord, by you, by your power and by your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, chapter 4 is one of of chapter 4 of... The book of Acts is one of my favorite chapters, and I say it a lot, but it really, really is because if you haven't read it before, you definitely need to read it, but a lot is happening in chapter four. It is like the action movie of the Bible. Of course, there's a lot of action movie portions. I think that there should be a lot more movies based upon the word of God. It would make the best movies ever, but in chapter four, you have the preaching, the the bold preaching of the apostles coming forth, and they're confronted the pharisees and the sadducees and they're putting their life on the line and supernatural healing is breaking out and it says there's supernatural generosity that's taking place where the believers are giving whatever they're selling and they're buying it says that nobody has any need but it is this like incredible time of boldness for the church of god and the expansion of territory and where god is breaking out in signs miracles and wonders I believe that when I read chapter four, that it is really a picture of what is taking place in Mercy Culture Church. I get really excited because as I'm reading, I'm like, God, you're doing this. God, we're seeing you move in this way. But as I was reading through, the Lord highlighted a specific area that brought me great concern and not just great concern, but I felt the Holy Spirit bring an awareness and a warning to our church. And that's what I'm going to share with you this morning, is I believe that there is something that this scripture is talking about, that if we do not pick up as a church, that we will not continue in all of these exciting things that is taking place or the expansion of territory. There's a word in all of the scriptures that I'll be teaching on this morning and all throughout the word of God that I believe has a reputation of sometimes not being fun or that older people or weird people do. And I believe that the enemy, it's also one of the greatest areas that the enemy resists in our life. And it is this word, it is prayer. The message this morning is titled this, that prayer is what expands territory. Prayer is an action word. What do I mean by this? Prayer is not about us receiving, but about us doing. Prayer is about us pouring out. And I believe that this is where the body of Christ is often weak, is we're really great at running to the house of God when we need to receive something. When we need to receive a prophetic word, when we need to receive a healing, when we need to receive whatever it is that we are in need of. We have the fun services, new cars, all be there, healing service, all be there. Then it's prayer night and it's nobody, few people that come, because all of a sudden I'm just too tired, I had a really rough day. Why, because it's not about us receiving, it's an action word that we have to respond and walk in and pour out what? Our faith. Pour out our faith to him. Prayer is an action word. And I believe that this is why the greatest amount of resistance comes against our prayer life, actually two areas, our prayer life and reading the word of God. So can you imagine if you married the two? If you actually begin to pray the word of God, do you know when you begin to pray the word of God, it is like an atomic bomb dropped in the enemy's territory where all of the sudden demons, resistance, strongholds have to go but all of a sudden we wanna sit down and read our word of, God. oh, I'm just so tired and I'm stressed and the kids are, close the Bible, close the word. Go to pray and distracted and this and that can only think about all the other important things that we have to do instead of kneeling in prayer. Praying with our kids, praying with our spouses. Felt like this when I ministered this last weekend at Mercy Culture, that there was great resistance in marriages of praying together that you felt foolish, that you felt you weren't taking ground together. All of a sudden, you were so worried about what you sounded like. And I felt like some of you that literally when you come together as husband and wife and begin to pray. In fact, I had a vision of praying in beds at night before sleep that the Lord was about to answer prayers. Literally, I saw a breakthrough taking place of just husbands and wives bringing their prayers together and asking the Lord in unity together. See, there is a prophetic word from our apostolic elder, Pastor Tom Lane of Gateway, just a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure if you guys played it here. Did you play the, okay, we need to get that to you guys. Let me read part of it. He said this, I give you a heads up to make you aware that in the next 18 to 24 months, there's going to be unprecedented resistance to your work. Just to let you know that portion right there, your pastors get really excited about that. Your pastors, the Cody's, Landon and I, we get really excited, like bring it on. Okay, then he goes in and he says this, know this, that the best weapon is expressed in prayer. And the more that you pray, the more you strengthen your ability to stand and fight. I believe that this is not just a prophetic word over mercy culture in Fort Worth and in Waco and online, but this is a prophetic word over your house, is that when resistance comes, prayer is what pushes you through that demonic resistance into victory. Amen? Speaking of that, prayer is the avenue for our faith to be put in the Lord. Let me break down what this means. Prayer is the avenue for our faith to be put into the Lord. So you guys know that this has been the year of expanding territory. Pastor Landon was here last weekend. He ministered that message. Pastor Les, you have been ministering on that. Pastor Nikki, a couple of weekends ago, preached a phenomenal message on the priesthood and she challenged you to pray First Chronicles 410 every single day. Pastor Les, have you been challenging before that? Awesome. Okay, so I want to know, the first time maybe you heard on it being a prophetic word of this year of expanding territory, how many of you received that prophetic word? Can you just raise your hands? If you received the prophetic word over your house, over this house, and you've been asking the Lord how to steward it, so hands all over this room, beautiful. Okay, now I want you to be really honest. We're in the house of the Lord, don't lie. There's no judgment right now, Okay. But how many of you in just the last month have prayed every single day, First Chronicles 4.10? Okay, so there's about four people in the room. And I say this because it's so easy to receive a prophetic word, but a five-second prayer. A five-second prayer, our mind believes we don't have the time or doesn't see the power in praying the word of God. This morning, I believe that this message, those of you that have been experiencing intense warfare and resistance against this prophetic word is going to receive breakthrough this morning. Amen? Okay. So all throughout the word of God, before miracles were released, before territory was taken, before breakthrough happened, before blessing was released, prayer was happening we see it with jonah and the belly of a whale that he began to pray and uh, pray for deliverance and that whale spit him out elijah prayed for it to not rain it stopped raining he began to pray for it to rain and it began to rain it actually says uh, that when elijah called down fire he's already done all the work that the lord has told him to he's confronted the prophets of baal he set up the altar he's put all the buckets of water he's done all of the work and then it says he pauses to pray he pauses to pray even though even though the lord already said i feel like this is a word for us that god tells us to do things and then we go and we begin to do it in our own strength and wonder why it's not working out because we took a word that god said and we begin to try to steward a prophetic word without prayer Remember, prayer is the avenue for our faith to the Lord. Moses continually prayed when the people put pressure on him to provide, but God answered in provision because of Moses' prayers. David prayed going into battle, uh, going into battle and victories happened because David prayed beforehand. In fact, he was praying in the field so that when he got up to Goliath the giant, the victory was already won. In our opening scripture this morning, it says that they prayed together and the place shook and boldness was released over them to preach about Jesus. See, from Old Testament to New Testament, prayer shifted things and prayer still shifts things today. Prayer is the place that authority is given to expand Territories. See, prayer is the place that revelation is given to do that new thing that you've never done before. But in prayer, he tells you how. See, prayer is the place that solutions are given to issues that have been in your family, in this city, in the nation forever. See, prayer is the place that bondages are broken and breakthrough comes because repentance, tears, and godly sorrow takes place. See, pray, prayer is the place that power Might and strength is given to take down giants, and prayer is the place that the victory is won before the battle has even begun. Did you hear what I just said? Some of us are struggling in battles right now because our prayer life is silent. The Bible says that in our weakness is where he is strong. God is not looking for how great you are in areas or how strong you are. He can't wait to be strong in those battles that are in your life. If you would just begin to commune and talk with the Lord, prayer is the avenue for your faith to be put in the Lord. See, the last time that I was here, I actually preached on the gift of faith. And I believe a lot of you had breakthrough when I came and I preached on the gift of faith, because it was beautiful. We talked about how uh, faith is not just believing in God, but it is trusting in God. And then there was this revelation that came to us that, man, when I trust God, I don't have to carry these heavy weights and burdens anymore. But the vision that I saw for this Sunday is that when some of you released in faith, those burdens, those dreams, those things that were heavy on your shoulders without the revelation or the lifestyle of prayer, it was like lifting and they fell to the ground. See, if prayer is the avenue for our faith, when we lift those heavy things off of our shoulders, what? It is through prayer. Lord, I lift in faith my business. I lift in faith my teenagers. I lift in faith whatever those things are in your life up to him through prayer. It is the vehicle. It is the avenue. That allows him to bring victory into your life. In fact, we see this in James 5 13 through 18. It's titled The Prayer of Faith. If any of you is suffering, what? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. Come on, this is not just talking, although it's talking about cancer, although it's talking about a sickness, it can be talking about a marriage that is sick, a family that is sick, a generation that is sick, a city that is sick. And it says, the Lord will raise him up and he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power to prevail. Verse 17 is talking about Elijah calling down or, or praying for it to not rain and then to call down rain. And interestingly, it says he prayed earnestly, meaning he kept on praying. He kept on coming before the Lord. So the prayer of a righteous man has great power to prevail, but he also prayed earnestly. See, all the things that you need and desire are unlocked in the place of prayer, church. Everything that you need and desire, this is why, again, the enemy tells you you're too exhausted and you have no time or it's powerless and he's not listening to you. This is why, because prayer is defined as this petitioning God or bringing your petitions before Him. See, throughout the Word of God, we see prayer used as seeking God's favor, pouring out our souls to the Lord, and crying out to heaven to draw near to the Lord, to encounter Him, kneeling before the Lord, submitting ourselves to Him, and humbling ourselves. Philippians 4 6 through 7 says it this way to be anxious for nothing, it means that anxiety that comes on you Monday morning. That anxiety that comes on you before you're trying to go to sleep. It says, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How beautiful is this that you don't have to struggle to guard and protect your heart and mind in a crazy era that we are living in. But by praying and petitioning the Lord, anxiety has to go and your heart and your mind is guarded and sound. Prayer is like this. I don't know, I don't watch sci-fi movies. What would you call like an aura or an orm or whatever? I hate sci-fi movies. Sorry for the people in here that love sci-fi. Anytime Landon's like, let's watch a sci-fi. I was like, I'll shove my mouth some popcorn and then fall asleep, so go for it. (laughs) But this is what I just had a vision of is prayer is like this orb thing around you that you get to coast through life with what? A prayer covering that allows you to expand territory when everyone around you seems like they're going crazy, when everybody around you is operating in fear, when everybody around you is closing themselves up in a house and you're expanding territory, you're purchasing more houses, you're looking for the next business to open, you're believing for adoption you're going into the nations with signs miracles and wonders when everybody else can't seem to just believe for tomorrow this is what prayer does in fact three things that prayer must be for a successful prayer life the first is this is that prayer must be consistent and i was just touching on this a second ago with elijah but let's go to luke 18 through 8 Here's another one of my favorite portions of Scripture, but I believe the Lord brought me here to actually personally rebuke me also when I was writing this message. Because the more you get to know me, there's a word I always get really excited about, and it's the word justice because we're seeing so much perverted justice in the world that a lot of believers will quiver at that word without realizing that it's actually what the Bible says, that God's throne is built upon a righteousness and justice. So to be a just people, to reflect him, our life should be built upon a righteousness and justice. So Luke 18, one through eight, I see that word justice. I have preached on this multiple times. I get really excited, but the Lord pointed out something different this time. And it's in the first verse. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Or this this word not to lose heart translates to do not give up or to show up. Verse two, he said, In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming. Say, kept coming. Come on, say, kept coming coming. to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, which is you, his chosen people who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Now you can see why I get excited in this scripture and I want to jump and hoop and holler because what she is receiving Justice. Justice is something that we receive, so it's exciting. But in fact, Jesus says, I'm telling this parable not about what you are to receive, but how you ought to how you ought to pray. Do really beautiful and awesome things, miracles, signs, and wonders in the earth, but he's not going to release them until he hears a bride that says, Lord, this is what is important to me. Lord, this is what my heart is aching for that I see in America today, that I see in Waco today. And all of a sudden, he begins to hear the continual and all of a sudden, I'm going to preach on it in just a second, but there is an aroma that comes before our King that begins to shake the heavens, that shakes the earth. And it's all based upon what? The power of your prayers. That is the power of your consistent coming. It closes like this, this portion of scripture, will he find faith on earth? Because I believe that, see, we all walk around saying, I have faith in God. I have faith in God. Of course I have faith in God. I love Jesus. But everything that we're doing, we operate in our own strength. He's saying he's coming to seek a bride to see if she has faith. How? Because he will hear the prayers of his bride. And if it is a silent bride or a silent church, then I believe he will not see the faith that we say to family members, that we say to coworkers that we operate in. 1 Samuel twelve twenty three says it this way, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray. Did you hear what he said? I've never thought of a lack of a prayer life or an inconsistent prayer life or a void of a prayer life as sin. Foolish did I feel as I read this, but he said, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray. Not only does it break his heart to not hear the prayers, the consistent prayers of his bride, but he counts it as sin, church. I brought this spanking to the Fort Worth <laughs> the, the the Fort Worth campus last week and you guys haven't had as many opportunities being brand new and still an infant church but we do something that's called our Justice Nights. They started off being called uh, pray for justice nights but marketing reasons and other stuff like that they're like let's simplify and go to Justice Nights. And somehow in that transition it got translated to the body of christ that it was just for the justice reform well the justice reform is fasting and praying every single wednesday we pray together every single tuesday we're praying throughout the week we send prayer requests out we're in a constant state of prayer The Justice Nights are not for the Justice Reform team. Justice Nights were for the body of Christ to come together to begin to release a sound of prayer that would touch heaven. And so I just wanted to share, Waco is going to have Justice Nights in the future, very soon. Until then, I would love to invite you the last Wednesday of every single month. It's just once a month. It's a corporate prayer night where we gather together so it's this coming Wednesday we did a huge invite last week but I'm believing I am believing I could care less about numbers y'all we don't talk about it on purpose because we always want all of the glory to go to God but I can't wait to walk into a sanctuary and for there to be a sound of a full sanctuary released to the Lord crying out for heaven's justice and the earth for the millions of babies that have been aborted for the millions of slaves that are being trafficked in our nation and for the injustice that's taking place in the next generation right now. It's a whole nother thing I can't get on because I will go down that road. So number two, I'm going to invite. So I'm inviting you. That's an actual invitation. The last Wednesday of every night at Mercy Culture Church at 7 p.m. Be a part of it. Prayer must be private. That's number two. Jesus is a phenomenal demonstration of this. The word of God shows us over and over that it says that Jesus went to the wilderness or the barren places or private places he would pull away often early in the morning or at various times for these places of private prayer. See, this intimate place of prayer was communion with his father to please what the father's desires were for his people. Often Jesus came out of that private place of prayer to heal the sick, cast out demons, call out religious spirit and preach to the people what was to come. The overflow of Jesus's ministry, the signs and miracles came from these private encounters or places of prayer that he was consistent. in. And this is really neat. The Bible also shows us multiple times when he goes into these private places of prayer that he brought his disciples with him. I believe this was to show the disciples not just what a public ministry or a public face looked like, but where a public ministry flowed from, and that was from a private place of prayer. And I just wanted to share with you that if some of you have people that you are discipling or you have teenagers and children and they come and rush in during that encounter time and you're irritated saying you're ruining my encounter time, you are pushing them away in one of the greatest times for them to learn where overflow comes from because jesus knew that the disciples couldn't go and operate in the miracles, signs and wonders without them understanding the powerful place of private prayer see church where his disciples he showed us the way by how he lived and prayed he taught his disciples through the word of god so that we would also learn and walk in those ways Luke 11, 1 through 13 is a demonstration of one of the disciples asking, which I believe is so beautiful and pure. And he says to him, how should we pray? And he says, Lord, teach us to pray. And he, Jesus responds this way in verse 1 through 13. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. This is a prayer that you can pray every single day in your daily encounter time. We're gonna pray together actually this and I'll show you. Um, Landon always says to, Pastor Landon says to share what our personal encounters with the Lord look like. So we're gonna do that at the end of the service today. But I felt like the Lord wanted me to also share a very private, personal encounter that I've had. And I I really kind of struggled with it because it's super personal and special to me. And I thought, Lord, this is something that's private and special for me. But I felt that there's a promise in it of what the Lord wanted to say he's going to release in your private prayer moments. And so anyways... uh, A few years ago, actually, it's been way more than a few years ago, but we were living in uh, Phoenix... Where are we leaving? We've lived in so many places. Yes, we were moving from Arizona and the Lord spoke through our daughter who's only like three years old at the time that she wanted to move our house to Texas. So literally we felt a leap in our spirits. Three months later, we're moving to Texas with a toddler and a newborn and we get into that house. Our stuff isn't unpacked. I mean, we're just there for, I don't know, maybe a week and our phone, Landon's phone rings. John Paul Jackson is a spiritual father of ours. I don't know if you know his ministry but a really really powerful ministry he was our spiritual father before he passed well at this time he had beat cancer and we were all really really excited so that this phone call was very unexpected at the time but because of all the different treatments that he was on he had broke down his immune system and he had got some other sicknesses and this phone call basically said you have to get to john paul right away he's probably not going to make it through the night well, he was living in Texas, we would have never have made it to his bedside if the Lord didn't move us quickly to Texas. Landon literally in that moment says, babe, I have to go. He goes and drives that uh, few hour drive to get to John Paul. And it's real quiet. John Paul is laying there. He goes to his house and he goes and he kneels before his bedside and he just begins to pray and to worship. And all of a sudden, he has this supernatural encounter in which he says is extremely hard to describe what took place, but he said it felt like his mantle was released over my life. So he calls me and he tells me this experience as he's driving back home. He gets back home and we're sitting in bed and all of a sudden, Landon's phone rings again. It's a pastor we haven't spoken to in years and he's freaking out and he said, I just had a vision. It's literally the hour that John Paul is passing. We haven't even got that phone call yet. And he says, I just had a vision. I have goosebumps of John Paul Jackson's mantle coming down and falling on you. And he begins to pray and prophesy over us. And we just sat in bed weeping. I've never seen my husband weep this hard before. Is this beautiful moment that we are so thankful that God brought us there just in time to get that moment with him. That there was something that I had hidden in my heart and I never wanted to say it because I was so grateful that my husband got to be by his bedside. But what I had hidden in my heart that wasn't hidden from the Lord was that I wish I could have been there too. I wish I could have been at his bedside for that moment too. So it's, hmm. Over a year later, we're living in a new house at a real small walk-in closet. And so we, we um, gathered up some funds so that I could build a, a long uh, walk-in closet for my prayer closet. Had a window in it, and I kept my scriptures and a bench to sit and pray and where I could lay and pray. And so Landon was traveling, the kids were in bed, and I could just feel this, like, calling of the lord and i could not wait to get into my prayer closet this night and so i have my worship on and i lay myself before the lord and i'm just worshiping and i hear the holy spirit all of a sudden say get to your knees i'm like lord is that you i'm worshiping you i'm laid out i'm humbling myself before you and i hear again get to your knees right now so real quick i get up off of my, you know, off laying on my stomach and I get to my knees and I hear the Lord say, bow your head and I bow my head and all of a sudden I feel a rush of the presence of God into my prayer closet. And what is so hard to explain, I feel a release of John Paul, John Paul Jackson's mantle over my life. And the Lord begins to tell me to receive, and I begin to worship and weep harder than I've ever wept in my entire life. I asked the Lord, why do you want me to tell them this private story? And the Lord said, there are supernatural encounters waiting my bride. I feel the Holy Ghost right now that will only happen in their private prayer time. Do you realize that on this night I could have turned on Netflix and a chick flick? Because when life gets heavy, stressful, or hard, that's how we check out but I believe the Lord is wooing to a greater level of intimacy in this hour. I believe he is wooing you, not pastors and preachers and worship leaders. He is wooing his bride into these private prayer moments to release crazy authority, revelation, gifts, to walk in the signs, miracles, and wonders you've wanted to believe for, but the enemy has said, all of the lies, all of the distractions. You're not great enough. You have too messed up of a past, all of the lies. And I believe today he is shattering them and he is wooing you into a private place of prayer you are going to encounter the supernatural. John Paul prophesied over me, Heather, you will encounter the supernatural angels and all different types of things. And I believe even in this moment right now, I didn't say this in Fort Worth, but the Lord just like soccer punched me in the gut and said, say what John Paul said over them. And I declare over you, mercy culture, Waco. You will encounter the supernatural. You will encounter the glory of God. You will encounter angels. You will have authority over demonic strongholds in Jesus' mighty name. And I declare you will not apologize for it. Laugh when they call you crazy. Proverbs fifteen eight says, the prayer of the upright pleases him. See, it is a consistent private prayer life with the Lord that produces what you cannot do on your own. And it's also what keeps you awake. See, a lack of a consistent private prayer life is what woos you to sleep. And we see this in Mark 14:32 through 42. This is Jesus praying in Gethsemane right before he's arrested. And Jesus says to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, John, and began to deeply be troubled and distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is consumed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, that the hour would pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, This is how we should pray right here. Just like Jesus, all things are possible for you. He declared the word of God. All things are possible for you. And then he begins to share what he's going through with the Lord. He says, take this cup from me. And then he ends with this, yet not my will, not what I will, but your will be done. He declared that God's will would be done through him. And then it says, and Jesus returned and found them sleeping. Simon, are you asleep? He asked, were you not able to keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Again, he went away and he prayed, sitting, saying the same thing. And again, Jesus returned and found them sleeping. He returns a third time and says, are you still sleeping? That is enough, the hour has come. And we all know what happens after this, what? The disciples in fear are scattered. And the very one that Peter calls out and rebukes for sleeping when he said, stay, a, stay awake and pray so that you will not be tempted, feel the Holy Ghost, was Simon Peter, who just moments later is the one denying Jesus, who is sinning against him. I believe we are in an hour. See, prayer is something we must always walk in, because the word of God says that we should pray. But there are specific hours, like we see in this portion of scripture, when the body of Christ must stay awake and pray. And I believe, Jesus came and it says he shook them awake for the hour has come this morning. I want to spiritually awaken you and say the hour has come for fervent, consistent, private, and corporate prayer. Hmm. It's number three is that prayer must be corporate Revelation 5.8, it says this, in between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he was, he, when he was taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell face down before the lamb, each holding a harp, and the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints." So it says that the gift or the offering that they brought before the lamb was golden bowls full of incense, which were the prayers of the bride of Christ, the believers, which is you. It's what he's waiting on. In fact, Bible Hub, a commentary said it like this, describes this portion of scripture. The incense held a conspicuous place in the ritual of the temple. The greatest care was to be taken in the composition of the incense and the same compound was not to be used anywhere but in the sanctuary. These precautions suggest its typical character, that the true aromas or scents or incense were the heart prayers of God's children. Of these three sweet ingredient aromas, were these three things Petition, repentance, and thanksgiving is the incense of prayer. And by the divine fire of love, it ascends unto God, the heart and all with it. And when the hearts of the saints unite in joint prayer, the pillar of sweet smoke goes up the greater and the fuller. And every pit prayer which broke out and saw from an agonizing heart, every sigh of the solitary and struggling Christian, every groan of those groping God, mingles here with the songs of the happy and triumphant or the victory. The victorious. See, this poetic description is saying this that this offering, this gift that was brought before our King is what he's waiting on to smell, what he's waiting on to see, what he's waiting on to take in. It is the prayers of the united body of Christ. And when those prayers come, him in fact this portion of scripture when broken down what i just said says nothing else can replace it there's no other aroma so i just want to break down that some of you are amazing servants some of you are amazing worshipers some of you glorify god you give him all the praise and glory for what he's done but none of it can take the place of prayer or the cries of his bride Here's what happens when the body of Christ comes together, receives this call to prayer, and begins to release an incense. Revelation a 1 through 5 says it like this. When the lamb opened, the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven for about a half hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all of the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And it says the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Verse five, right at that moment, right then, as that that incense goes before him. It says the angel took the censer, all of a sudden, everything shifts and he filled it with fire from the altar and he threw it on the earth. And it says there were peals of thunder, there were rumblings, which also translates to sounds, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake or a shaking and movement in the earth that broke out. Do you realize what this is saying? That when the prayers are the incense of the bride of Christ, you was brought before him. All of the sudden, the revival that we've been crying out for. Come on. The revival that your pastors are believing for, but it's not enough. He wants to know, does the bride want as a whole revival in Waco? Do you want a movement in Waco? Do you want a movement in America? Do you want a moving ashamed in the nations because it's the prayers of the saints that brings a shaking to Waco. That earth quaking is that movement that we're believing God for. Brings us back to our opening scripture in Acts 4.31 that it says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was... Uh oh. The place they were gathered after they prayed was shaken. shaken. It was shaken. See, corporate prayer brings forth. Movement in the heavens and in the earth, it brings a shaking where the evil things that were built up that the enemy thought that he owned in the different areas of Waco, in the different neighborhoods, in the different districts, all of the sudden the prayers and that shaking, all of the things that had no sure foundation in the Lord begins to crumble down so that the righteous can begin your prayers do that's why there's such a resistance when there is an invitation to corporate prayer can you imagine have you ever had the moment when all of your kids begin to worship together begin to pray, they're all getting along and you're like, Jesus must be coming back. Nobody's fighting. Nobody's ripping their faces off right now. But like there's those few moments where all of the sudden your heart turns to mush. Even if it's somebody else's child. That's what your heavenly father's heart does when his bride, when his sons and daughters come together and begin to weep and cry before him and offer up incense to his throne worship team come up last week when I was praying into this message I heard the Lord give me a specific warning it's at the very end of my prayer run it was on August 18th and I heard it so clear and this is what he said He said, It will be catastrophic for my bride if she does not pick up the call to prayer. I immediately thought, Lord, that is a very intense word. I don't know if I've ever used the word catastrophic before. So, Lord, I'm going to go look up what the word catastrophic means if this is you. And instantly I hear the Lord coming again. It will be catastrophic. So I run home, open up my laptop, just type in what is the definition of catastrophic? This is the definition. Causing sudden or very great harm or destruction. A momentous, tragic event ranging from extreme misfortune to utter overthrow or ruin. Utter failure. A violent and sudden change in the feature of the earth or a violent, usually destructive, natural event such as the supernova or the final event of the dramatic action, especially of a tragedy. I came here to tell you this morning, Mercy Culture Waco, that there will be a shaking one way or another, whether it's your prayers behind the shaking or you're the catastrophe behind the shaking. A shaking is coming one way or another. And I believe the Lord is patiently awaiting for his bride to pick up this call to prayer. That's not flashy. It's not about a platform. It's not it's not going to get you a lot of likes. It's not going to get you a great following. It's not going to get you a lot of great hallow- silent church that's contemplating unrighteousness, that's contemplating compromise in the the name of false compassion. See, prayers is not just also our protection, it is also our accountability. Prayer is a place that we humble begins to make those crooked ways in us straight so that we're not hypocrites. We will never be perfect, but so that we're not hypocrites as we share the gospel and the good news with others. Oh, but see, a prayerless church is a powerless church. I know you've heard it before, but it's true. A prayerless church or a prayerless son or daughter is a powerless son or daughter the other side of it that there's powerful sons and daughters there's a powerful church there's a powerful bride of Christ because she's a praying one that knows the desires of her heavenly father this is the good news, mercy culture. Wake Go, And I believe it's been happening all week on your behalf. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says this, that likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not, can we just pause and praise God? Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. Thank you, Jesus. For we do not know what to pray for as we walk, for how we ought, for as as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I believe that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has been praying for you this week your behalf to receive this call to prayer so This morning, as I felt first, that we were supposed to kneel and repent. If you can kneel, please kneel. If you physically cannot kneel, then please sit. But if you can physically kneel, if somebody could come and get that table, and I will just get out of the way so that you can kneel at the altar, you can get around the room, but just find a place to kneel. When the Lord began to speak this to me, I began to take a look at my own prayer life and instantly the Lord gave me a flash of moments that I had aborted prayer moments. And and the, the reasons were all different. Some because I thought they weren't spiritual. Some because I thought that the Lord didn't care those things that they were my desires and not his and others because I thought they were fleshly prayers whatever the reason the Lord began to convict my heart and say begin to repent for every aborted moment that I wanted you to come to me I wanted you to bring those ideas those dreams those concerns Repent for whatever you feel in your life. Why there has been a void of a prayer life. Why you haven't devoted daily prayer time. Just begin to repent. Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us for making everything else more important. Lord, forgive the excuse, even if we didn't say it out loud. us forgive us for thinking everything we could accomplish in our own strength without you oh God Lord forgive us for bowing to fear bowing to anxiety and not being a bold church praying over our family some of you fathers need to repent for not being bold spiritual leaders in your family and leading your family in prayer just felt that right now some of you might need to repent to your wives your kids if they're in the room come on this isn't a a religious atmosphere it can be messy just go ahead whatever you feel you to in this moment some of the moms might have to repent to our children later because they're always around that we just want our time and we've shoved them out of our prayer life Lord would you forgive us as fathers and mothers as grandparents? moment when the disciples tried to shoo the children away and you said no let them come to me you honored them and you said that's how our faith should be is like those little ones oh Lord I pray that even in our prayer time as we invite others into it oh God that they would lead us in ways our children